0: Welcome to another episode of Ella Gover the Podcast. I'm Abdullah, and with me today is, you want to introduce yourself? Sure.
1: Hi there. I am Emily Iden, and I'm an actress living in Los Angeles, working mostly in voiceover, um, also stage. And, uh, you know, I do (laughs) whatever comes my way, but uh, these days, mostly I'm doing cartoons, commercials, some video games, lots of audiobooks for kids and young adults and uh, and i also narrate the planetarium shows at Griffith Observatory in Los Angeles so that's me in a nutshell
0: and you might recognize her from a little show called Voltron
1: Voltron yes yes i uh i play Shay on Voltron that was has been a very exciting exciting role to to get to play
0: is it weird, like the ride is over now? Because you know,
1: it's... it is. It's 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 actually really weird <laughs> because it was so a part of for what two years or whatever where they were actively releasing, um, you know, episodes. It it was it was it was such a part. of, You know, and I wasn't going recording every day certainly, but fans were contacting me on Twitter every day. I was seeing fan art come out for Shay every day and now it's sort of you know dried up a little so that's a little sad but it was it was really fun and I'll always you know be so grateful to be a, have have been a part of it
0: yeah it's kind of weird like one one minute it's kind of there and now it's like faded into obscurity almost <laughs>
1: <laughs> well I'm even like as I'm because I'm I'm talking to you right now in my little booth in my house and I have you know some Voltron like doodads that i'm staring at right now as i talk to you um you know it's it is it i don't think it's totally faded away but um yeah it's just not a part of my sort of everyday experience like it like it kind of was for for the last two years or so um the other thing is my husband had been there i go talking personal stuff right off the bat but um He he was a huge Voltron fan back in the day, and so that sort of added an additional layer of, oh, my gosh, this is so exciting to that whole job. You know, we have, like, we have one of the original, like, big matchbox Voltron toys in our house, and we had it there, like, before I ever auditioned for Voltron, so... Yeah, it's, it, it's a part of our, our lives now.
0: Never goes away. No. <laughs> uh, speaking of Voltron, I actually do have a Voltron figure here as well, so there you go.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Which is it of, of the Voltron?
0: Uh, classic Voltron, the robot yeah, not, classic. Not, not the, um, not the new one, cause they didn't make a good new one to, for me to have, so.
1: I see. Well, the, cool.
0: Cause, uh, cause I know I, I grew up watching Voltron as a kid, and you know thinking this was weird, but you know kind of enthralling in a way. Cause yeah, you know, it was a it was a weird show, like teenagers fighting like an evil alien rebellion uh, force, and they formed a giant robot, and it's kind of <laughs> it's just such a weird show when you look back at it, but. And then you grow up, and then you find out, oh, it's a Japanese show originally, but they had mm-hmm. to, you know, edit out all the gore and adult themes right. and whatnot, because they didn't know, because they they looked at it and said, oh, yeah, this is this is for kids, right? Because you know, America has that ar- <laughs> has that arrogant mindset of, uh, you know animation just being for children so they were just like mm-hmm. oh, whatever you know we're not gonna you know we're not gonna even go take a look at it for to make it age appropriate we're just gonna take it as it is and maybe we'll 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 make it our own version and then right. they li- and then they looked at the footage and they're like oh no <laughs> <laughs> yeah it was it was it was dark it was a dark uh, it was a dark show go lion go lion is a pretty good anime but you know it's uh it's really dark
1: yeah i never actually saw that that version i saw the old classic americanized voltron
0: so you grew up with like uh you know the the, the american names and totally yeah and uh yep. really awkward edits to, to cut out the violence I, I mean not like i noticed that
1: <laughs> you know the kid the kids didn't notice
0: Yeah, but as an adult, it's kind of hard not to notice that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, Voltron is actually one of the first actual uh, show, uh, a- anime shows to, that actually w- was brought over to America to get dubbed. So the whole dubbing. Thing. Oh, one of the first. Yeah.
1: Oh. Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah. That's cool. I mean,
0: that was the one of the first experiences for dubbing. So. Mm-hmm. You know, that kind of started that whole trend. But huh. uh, that was then. This is now, and. Uh, yep. You know, 2016, they rebooted Voltron, and you were lucky enough to be a part of that. How did that come about?
1: Um, it was a big kind of surprised, you know, I, um, I just another audition. I was, well, I say that except that my husband knew I was auditioning for Voltron and he said something, you know, to the effect of, oh my gosh, if you got to be on Voltron, that would be like all my hopes and dreams come true, which I thought was a little dramatic, but, um, you know, it, it, so I remember sort of the audition because, because we had had that, um, interaction about it but otherwise it was just you know I get a lot of auditions and I um and so I I auditioned for Shea. I did feel, I do remember feeling sort of a, a real connection to that character right away, which doesn't always happen with all, you know, some of the auditions are a little like, well, I'm going to try my best and, you know, find what I can find. And then there are auditions that I have where I think, oh, this is, this should be my part. And I did think that about Shay. I did feel very strongly that I had a connection to her character. And, you know, I mentioned before, like I, I narrate the planetarium shows at Griffith observatory, like literally the first line of one of our shows is we tell stories about the sky here. And then, you know, and then here's Shay in the audition saying like, tell me, what is the sky like? And so I, it was things like that, that made me think like, I've always had such a, such a strong connection to the night sky. I even have a constellation tattoo on my body, you know, I, so for Shay to be longing so strongly to, you know, see the sky. And here I am having, you know, talked about the sky for all this time and loved the night sky. I just, I just knew she was like a character I could really play and so I did work, you know, I worked hard on the audition, but then once you submit the audition, you know, you try to forget about it so you don't torture yourself. Uh So I was very surprised when suddenly I, you know, had a call that I booked it. Like they didn't even, I didn't even have a call back for it. They just... They just said, can you come tomorrow? And um, so they sent me the script and I, you know, went to the studio and I walk in and there's Scott Wolf, like who plays Rax, my brother on the show and Scott Wolf, you know, I grew up watching Party of Five and thinking he was just the cutest thing ever. And suddenly here I am in a booth with him and he's my brother. It was it, it happened very, very quickly, like the whole, the whole thing. And, um, but again, it helped because you know, I, I was nervous, but playing the character, I never felt nervous. I always felt like I know this character. And, um, and then there was kind of a long break between that first, that first episode that I recorded. Um, and so then, and what I sort of learned later was they were, sort of shuffling around characters i think they recast some of the paladins and and things like that so i think they i don't really know what they did but they may have sort of recorded you know a first episode with a bunch of people and then sort of moved things around and so i was i was really excited when i got a call for another episode because then i seemed to have made the cut um and uh and then you know any time i got to go back was such a treat It's been, it was great.
0: You were like one of the last people to have the honor to work with the legendary Andrea Romano, so.
1: I did. It was, it was pretty special. And I'd even, I mean, I, like the year before, probably, I had taken a class with her. But Now, she didn't cast me, so it just sort of ended up being a a cool coincidence. Um, Because she, that first episode I did, she hadn't come on as the director yet. So she wasn't involved in the initial casting of things, but um yeah like i I had wanted to get to know her, and you know working with her seemed sort of more far off. I just wanted to learn from her when I took this it was just sort of a one day class, like a workshop with her. Um, where I, in that one class, I learned things that I just used in an audition two days ago, you know, so she, she did have sort of a wealth of knowledge. So then when I showed up and there she was directing me, it was, it was crazy. I was, I was pretty awestruck by it all. And then she, besides being so smart, she was just so, she, she would come into the booth before every recording and sort of connect with each actor individually you know to say hello it wasn't just sort of a okay let's get this done she came in and said hello and shook your hand to each person it was just so classy it was yeah it, it is really it is really fortunate that i got to work with her
0: yeah it's such a shame she retired yeah what it is. yeah no yeah. i mean but i mean it's it must have been like kind of nerve-wracking because you know like, wow i'm getting directed by andrea andrea romano that I better not Screw this up.
1: <laughs> totally. You know, I think one of the, um, I can't remember what, like, my first, I can't remember what the first episode with her was, but the first time I was really impressed working on Voltron with her was I had to come in and do, um, like just the additional, the ADR, the additional dialogue. So, you know, we'd already shot, we'd already recorded the episode. It was just things like, you know, Shay gets, um, lassoed by a rope and now she's dragged. So then it was just like, you know, sorts of sounds that I was adding to the, to the recording, and um, by the way, that was also the first time I ever saw what Shay looked like. So I'd already recorded quite a lot before I even had any idea what she looked like. So, so anyway, in that session, they, you know, they put up the the video where I'm sort of partly distracted by, oh, that's what Shay looks like, you know. Meanwhile, the beeps are going, and they're saying, okay, you know, now you're being hung you know, by something, or now you're, now have a oh, sound, whatever. But Andrea Romano, she, she was so sharp with those, those sounds, like, cause there were a few where, and it wasn't just me, it was sort of everyone who was in, in that session, you know, they're asking for some wild, uh, you know, stunt sounds and action sounds and things. And whenever anyone was stumped as to what, what does that, sound like you know being hung up by your hands she she was so immediate and so fast with with a a suggestion for you where you'd say ah yeah 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 that is what it sounds like that that is what it sounds like um I was just I was amazed I was amazed by how good at that anybody could like that a person could be so quick about that but obviously it goes to show why she is and was you know and not was but is Andrea Romano and why she was in that position to help us all, because she really, really knew what she was doing.
0: And I said this before on the show, but I don't think any of the shows she worked on would have been half as good as she, if she had not directed those shows. I honestly think that. Maybe
1: not. I mean, yeah, I mean, seeing her in directing everybody, it was, she was, she was a director. She was really, really helping people find their moments and find the characters and, you know, find the truth of, of what was happening in that scene. Yeah. And,
0: and what what's so great about her is like every project every project she did was like she took it very seriously like you know she was like I'm not here to to direct like a throwaway project or whatever, you know, we're here to create art. We're here to to bring to life something that doesn't exist. And, you know, she did that really well. My-
1: yeah, I agree. I agree totally with you.
0: Because you know, you know, I I mean, I grew up watching you know Batman the animated series, and that that you know that show has is being is considered like one of the few animated shows that's considered one of the best, if not the best, uh, animated series of all time. And that and it was because of her direction that she managed to bring out a side of actors we had no idea even existed before she came yeah i mean she pretty much like helped you know mark hamill become the joker you know because he couldn't have, right. have i mean he couldn't have like come up with half the stuff he had come up with, with that performance on his own like he kind of needed someone to really really reel him in into that uh into that position you know? and, it really helps
1: yeah. you know, it, yeah no it really helps and you know we voice actors spend so much time sort of alone in a booth um that yeah, having having that awesome guide like Andrea Romano, it, it like you said, it can pull out those performances that you might not have gotten without her.
0: I know, and it's such, it's such a shame she retired. And I remember I remember like hearing the news on on Twitter, and I'm like, oh, I'm sick yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Uh, yeah, I was sad too.
0: No, but I mean, it, it's, it's great you not only managed to work on, you know, Voltron, but also with Andrea, you know, and were you shocked at, ha- I mean, were you shocked at, at the fan reaction that the show got initially?
1: Um, I was, yeah, I and I was, I, like I said, like we, you know, at my family, at my house was sort of a Voltron house to begin with, you know, from back in the day Voltron, but um, I yeah, I was shocked. His it was also the sort of thing where because of the nature of Netflix, where people watched the whole season, you know, on the day it released. Um, like Shay, for example, you know, her big sort of episodes are all in that first season. So it was crazy for me because you know I, I suddenly I had all these. It was like it was like. I was so excited that, you know, I was going to be able to see it. Like, that's what I was excited about for the day, the first premiere day of it. Um, I just wanted to see it. I hadn't really considered that the whole other rest of the world would also be seeing it and watching all the episodes as well. Because then, like, I swear by that morning, suddenly I was getting, like, so-and-so is following you on Twitter. So-and-so is following you on Twitter. So-and-so is following you on Twitter you know, where I'd had like no Twitter followers before. And suddenly there were all these people. I mean, you know, I I don't mean to sound like I have so many, but a, a heck of a lot more than I had before. And it all happened immediately. So yeah, that was, I was really surprised by that. And I guess I was also surprised that people seemed to connect with Shay so much. And like, really, I suddenly had a lot of people talking to me about Shay and you know, sending me pictures they'd drawn of her that I had never even, you know, imagined happening. So it was surprising, but totally cool, you know,
0: <laughs> yeah, especially considering the age of the internet where it's easy to get in contact with literally anybody these days. Right. And, and it's just like, what?
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: no, I mean. No, I, yeah. yeah no, no, go, go ahead. ahead. No,
1: no. Um, I was just going to say, yeah, I had to learn sort of, sort of in that first week of like setting my own sort of boundaries on, on the internet of like, Oh, like suddenly there's more people paying attention to me. So I have to just, you know, know what I'm putting out there and, be mindful of it. So yeah.
0: Yeah, you couldn't just come out and say, well, I think, you know, I think the show's just, you know, not very good, and I'm not. Don't don't, <laughs> don't bother me about it. It's just work. Well, that would be a
1: lie anyway. Yeah, yeah. But yes, yes, of course.
0: Yeah, but I mean, fortunately, I, get it was... I liked
1: the show. Fortunately, I myself was a fan enough that I could be, you know, totally genuine with with my enthusiasm for it.
0: I mean, but, yeah, I mean, like, a lot of actors, like, really get annoyed, like, when people keep hounding them about specific roles and everything. Really? But, you know. It is uh, really
1: you nice. know, yeah, th- yeah it's, it's a good problem to have. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and... uh and it's weird because, like, Shay as a character, like, she wasn't, like, a big, big character. Like, she was, like, mm-hmm. one of the, one of the um incendiary characters that were just there to flesh out the universe, but she was really popular for some reason.
1: You know, I think, I think it's the same thing that I connected with, you know, when I was auditioning. It's just, she, I do think she repre- had more than some other characters, not all characters. There were lots of great characters throughout the, you know, the series, but because she was also she she was sort of set up in that first season as you know one of those one of those pull at your heart type of characters and she really seemed to affect hunk and launch him into sort of okay I'm going to do this I'm going to you know defend the universe um and I think I think it was that connection and sort of helping helping to be a catalyst for him I think that um I I think endeared her to you know fans i think
0: well, specific type of fans who want to see those two characters like really really wondering like oh, is she gonna come back are they gonna get together i'm pretty sure you i
1: know. will I, I i'm going to admit something that to you know may because i was you know I, I i'm more i'm closer to the beginning of my sort of animation career than probably a lot of the people you usually talk to so i this is another thing i had to learn sort of in that first week of you know voltron dropping was I didn't know the term ship. I didn't. I And so, so suddenly people were going, I ship hunk and Shay. I ship, you know, honey and shunk and, and all this, you know, and I'm going, what is going on? I don't know. I don't know. So, you know, I, I Googled it right away and figured it out. It was pretty quick, pretty easy to figure out right away. But, um, but I'm, I'm admitting that to you and to your audience that I, you know, I had to learn <laughs> the shipping, the shipping universe and all that. Um, and so, but once I did, I, yeah, I mean, I, I found it fun to, you know, see what people wanted to do with a hunk and Shay. It was, it was fun. It was amusing.
0: I mean, and then it's, and it's just weird because, um, you know, like you said, you're still new to this and especially with a show like Voltron that got, you know, that's, that's already like a big name established property to begin with. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Andrea Romano was doing the, yeah the uh direction and then, you know, it got really big and then. And then it's like do do you feel like you've you've uh, you know made it I should say in, in or is that are are you just like do you think that um you can go you can go bigger than than what you've done now Voltron
1: <laughs> Well certainly I want to keep working and and that sort of thing and so I think there are definitely you know other places to go but it was definitely it's definitely sort of the biggest, high, most high profile thing I've, I've done so far. And so I, I will always love it, you know, f- for that and for the experience I've had with it and for the opportunities that, you know, it brought me. And I was in, you know, I was in the booth with all these legends. I mean, Cree summer, you know, she played, she played, well, obviously she played Hagar and all that, but, but I was recording with her when she was playing my grandmother, you know, Shay's grandma. And, um, she was, she was almost always there when I was recording. It was always sort of a mixture of, of, people there. But, um, you know, Chris Summer, like I, she's one of those ones that I grew up watching all the cartoons that she was on. And I remember, you know, also being sort of in this voiceover world, I'll go to callbacks and things where I see the other actors and actresses who have also been called back. You know, and I was, I remember when I v- first started sort of auditioning for cartoons, I got called back for some pilot. And, Creed Summer was there and Josh Keaton was there actually too. And, um, you know, and I just remember being like, Oh my gosh, that's, that's Creed Summer. You know, that, that's, that's her. I can't believe it. I can't believe I'm here at this audition with her. And, uh, so then, you know, flash forward, fa- fast forward a couple of years. And, um, and here she is playing my grandma and I'm talking to her about our families outside the booth. And it, it, it was crazy. And so, Your question is about sort of going bigger and have I made it? It's not that I've made it because, you know, I have to keep working and keep getting jobs. It's sort of what, what you have to do, especially with voiceover. You sort of, I see all these people at auditions for radio commercials too. You know, you sort of just keep, keep working it. Um, but it was definitely, uh, an experience that sort of legitimized all the hours I've been, you know, taking classes in voiceover and, you know, auditioning and sending in auditions and just not knowing if anyone's actually hearing that audition or, you know, if it's affecting them. So to then suddenly get this, this wonderful part with, you know, everything you've said, working with Andrea, this huge franchise that people know, working with these amazing other voice actors, uh, it. It, I did feel sort of like, okay, I've arrived at least a little bit, you know, here I am. Um, I think I should probably be here in this world and, and you know, and I have faith that more great things are, you know, are on the way and, and, and have been and, and will come and all that.
0: <laughs> you never know. You never know. Yep. <laughs> so uh where where do you i mean yeah because because it's usually weird because like usually you know voice actors like don't don't you know don't get uh you know they don't uh you know usually start out, start out in major franchises they usually just start out in like you know in you know secondary roles and like smaller franchises and then they get you know work on to the bigger roles but you you know you kind of Went straight to Voltron, which is just kind of interesting, I think. It was awesome.
1: It was, you know, but I've – where Cartoon World, I feel like all my experience sort of at least made me (laughs) ready so that when I was, you know, in that booth with Scott Wolf for the first time, I wasn't totally freaking out. Like I was able to focus on the character, shush the part of my brain that was saying, that's Bailey from Party of Five. He's so cute. You know, I was able to shush that and say, but he's playing your brother right now. Focus. You're Shay. This is your character. You know, that's all the, that's all the years of being in plays and, and taking classes and all that stuff that then prepares you for when you finally get those chances to, you know, to do what you've, you've been wanting to do. And so I felt, you know, pretty well prepared for Voltron, but also really excited to have have the opportunity.
0: <laughs> I mean cuz not many people say that, you know, they got to record with Scott Wolf on anything. No.
1: No, I mean it was it was crazy. It was awesome. Yeah, it's and now and it's the same thing where I'm, you know, even now I'm sort of um, the Tyler Labine, he's on the show New Amsterdam on NBC, which is it's totally the sort of show I like to watch. Um so I'd probably watch it anyway, but You know, I have been watching it. I think they've got a second season coming up. And he was great on it. He was great on it. And it's, it's, but it's fun to sort of be like, and that's Hunk. Oh, that's my Hunk. You know, doing this totally other thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's awesome.
0: uh, jo- uh, Josh Keaton, you know, surprised everyone as Shiro because everyone knew him as Spider-Man and they're like, ah, he, right. couldn't, he couldn't do anything other than Spider-Man. Oh, I'll show you. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. And he was awesome. Yeah. He was awesome. <laughs>
0: it's just, I, that's, that's another thing. It's like, you know, the cast was so good. So mm-hmm. good. So
1: good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so good. And uh, again, you know, it was impressive for me being in those sessions, like, People kind of just nailed it on you know first or second takes it's it they everyone knew what they were doing. they all knew their characters and probably because they were so close to their characters um that sort of thing, you know the sessions were fun and quick like they didn't they didn't take that long, so what you see in the episode is kind of what was laid out there, you know with not too much trouble, so yeah everybody was was quite good. I thought.
0: Oh, and another, another, I mean, well, because, you know, it's, it, you know, I think the main cast is like what, six or seven people at most, and, mm-hmm. and, and all the rest of the characters are like, you know, guest stars, so. so right. I think, I think that's why it was so easy for them to record all, all the stuff. Was,
1: they like, definitely had a, as, as Shay coming in, you would definitely, I definitely always felt sort of, I felt very welcome. People were very, you know, kind and welcoming to me, but there was definitely a sense of, like, camaraderie that the main people had, and I even saw it grow, you know, you could see it from the beginning, since I was there more in the beginning, but then, you know, I would see, I'd see them on panels, and stuff. So I could just see how they'd all grown to be, like, really good friends, too, and, you know, as the, as the show went on.
0: It's, it's so surreal that the show's over now, <laughs> it just seems... <laughs> It just seems like it was yesterday that the first uh, season dropped and everyone was talking about it. And, and everyone was wondering, uh, is Shiro dead? <laughs> Did he die at the end of season one? I know, five? I know.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, well, it is that funny, that Netflix for, format of uh, squeezing so much into two year, you know, all those seasons. But really, they just, you know, they came in just the span of about two years. It's pretty wild.
0: Especially, like, later on when there was, like, high demand for the show, and then they started releasing, like, seasons in, like, eight episodes. Like eight, eight, yeah, eight, eight. the half seasons. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. there was just so much demand for the show, and it's like, yeah, we're going to capitalize on this.
1: <laughs> I know, I know. But then there's the part of you, you know, there's the delayed gratification part of you that's like, oh, but if they just, you know, held it out a little longer, we could still be, you know, wondering what was going to happen. <laughs>
0: I mean, you're starting to see that change. I mean, more streaming services are kind of releasing like one episode a week now, so. To get are people... they? I didn't, yeah, I didn't even know. Yeah. About that. Oh. Uh, Young Justice Season 3 wrapped up like a couple, oh. a couple days ago, so. Mm-hmm. Huh.
1: I think that's, I think, you know, I, I, I like that, cause I, I think it's, I, it, there's, there's the fun part of it, the, you know, the sort of community part of everybody's watching the whole season right now. That part's cool and fun but i i i'm also the sort you know like when i have a book series that i love like right now i have this audiobook series that i i just loved listening to but like i haven't been able to listen to the the very last uh book because i don't want it to be over you know and so so i'm that sort where i would i would sort of rather push it off and wonder and wonder what's going to happen rather than
0: have it finally be over I mean, I'm kind of the same way when I read a really good run of a comic book and I'm like, I don't want this mm-hmm. to end. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. And actually, I actually did that with Voltron, you know, like with the, the very last season, my husband and I would always sort of watch all the you know we would sort of do the binge thing but the the very last season we we actually sort of spread it out because because I didn't want it to end and so so I was way behind you know knowing all the things that everybody knew the for you know when it for, when it premiered um and so I had to sort of like watch out for spoilers because I just wanted to hold on to it as long as possible
0: must have been hard people like contacting you on twitter about spoilers and they're like what i'm I'm like
1: no 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 i don't i don't hear anything i don't see anything
0: yeah lotor's dead what (laughs) i I don't know what you're talking about (laughs) yeah it was like that That, like now, now you know how much of a nightmare it was. Like when Breaking Bad was on, and I was like way behind on a season, and everyone oh. else was talking about it. And I'm like, don't talk about it. I'm still. Well, actually, we were
1: the same way. I was the same way with Game of Thrones. So I, I have finished it, but, um, but I was, <laughs> I was sort of, yeah, way behind. And again, the same thing, sort of trying to trickle, you know, tr- get it out in a trickle so that it wouldn't just all be over, but. Avoiding those spoilers was eh, quite difficult.
0: And do you prefer watching like uh, one episode or a week or do you just binge watch everything?
1: I end up not like a week, but I, I try to, well, it depends because we just, I just, I, I'm also, I'm, I'm behind on every, like every show. So I, I don't really watch pretty much any shows, you know, as they come out. So I've been way behind on, on Doctor Who, but now we've been, sort of watching those. And it's hard not to watch like two, two in a row in a sitting, but beyond two in a row is, is a little much. I can't, I can't stay up that late.
0: (laughs) I mean, Voltron I mean animated shows are much easier because they're like only like 20 well they're so 20. much shorter yeah, <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> I think with Voltron we would do like the most I would do with Voltron regularly was like maybe three in in a sitting because that'll and then I would be like I need to take a break like process you know what all has happened and and save more for tomorrow. But three, you're right. Like, with the three, you know, 22 minutes, you you can do that pretty easily.
0: That's why, you know, when I'm, like, whenever I need, like, background noise or something, I'll just, like, put on, like, a random episode of a cartoon, you know, because I'm, like, I know it's not going to be long, and I know that I can, you know, concentrate on this while I do something else, because, you know, because if it's, like, a really long show and i got to pay attention, I'm, like, ah, (laughs) you know, i got to watch this. No, (laughs) totally, totally. (laughs) Yep. Cause uh, you know I was like behind on iZombie, and I was mm-hmm. I had, and I had to like watch because I did like the whole binge watching show. Because my friend Tom told me like about the show, and he turned me on to the show, and he's like, "You gotta watch this! You gotta watch this! You gotta watch this!" And the, and the, and the first uh, uh first three episodes were on uh, th- three uh, three seasons were on Netflix, and I spent like an entire weekend binge watching those. <laughs> <laughs> and it was just hard as all hell not to look up any spoilers for that show right. for once I got invested.
1: <laughs> yep. I hear ya. I totally hear ya.
0: That must have been the case with you and Voltron, I would imagine. Like once you got into it, you're like, I I don't wanna I don't wanna see any spoilers. I gotta make sure to watch. No,
1: it. I no, there I didn't want any spoilers. Definitely not. Occasion I can't think of an example, but I there was something I knew. That I didn't mean to know, I, but I had seen something on Twitter, or someone had retweeted something to me. I forget what it was. I can't even remember what it was, but, but I I do remember, sort of sitting there. With my husband being like, I know something and he was like, Don't tell me, don't tell me. And I'm you know, and I'm going, I know, no, no, I am not gonna tell, but uh oh, but I know something <laughs> uh and I, I I, I did manage to not tell him so that it could be a surprise. Um but yeah I do did, not I d I don't I didn't want the spoilers.
0: I mean, knowing is not the same as seeing though, so
1: Well that's true. That's yeah. that's very true. And it lets you, you know, when you do know ahead of time, um, you know, you can look for the clues that lead up to it. When, years ago, this is totally off topic, um, but years and years ago when I thought I wanted to be like a film producer, I was interning at some production company and I read the script of The Sixth Sense you know, the M night Shyamalan. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this was before I had come out, like they weren't producing it. It was just like, it was a script that was sort of making the rounds going, ah, oh, you got to read this script. So I read the script. So then when I saw the movie, <laughs> I already knew every, you know, I knew all the, I knew all the spoilers because I'd read the script. So, you know, I wasn't surprised, but you're right. It's not the same as seeing the movie. So I still enjoyed the movie, but, um, <laughs> but I, but I, I had, you know, I'd, I'd learned all the secrets ahead of time.
0: You were like, oh, I can't tell anyone that Bruce Willis's character is a <laughs> totally,
1: <ghost." laughs> totally. That was one of those ones. Like, I'm just, mm, I'm, just, I'm gonna zip my lips right now and try to enjoy the movie.
0: <laughs> yep. It was his sled all along. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I mean and speaking of you also do uh, audiobooks as well can you tell me about the the audiobook experience and how that's been treating you
1: yeah. sure yeah um it's something i really love doing uh it sort of was my uh, my very first sort of you know voice voice over typey thing um was audiobooks. And uh, I had always listened to them, because uh, I'm from sort of a suburb of Los Angeles. And even when I was in high school, I was coming in and interning in LA. So I'd be driving these long commutes. So I would go and get, you know, CDs from the library of audiobooks. And so I listened to audiobooks from a fairly young age and, um, but had no idea, you know, how you get to be an audiobook narrator. And then, um, maybe about 10 years ago. So this was before I was, this was, I was, you know, I was out pursuing whatever type of acting and, and sort of at this time, most of what I was doing was professional stage work. So I did, before I did any real voiceover stuff, I was just doing a ton of stage stuff and, um, Working at great theaters like South Coast Rep and Costa Mesa, which is a really, really neat theater. And I, you know, I was working all over the place there, but I still had no idea what, how to do audiobooks. But then I was, I did a couple plays with, I did a play with one narrator and sort of got some ideas of, you know, oh, like maybe I could be a narrator, but I, I still don't quite know how to do it. And then I did another play with another narrator and you know, sat down and talked to him about it this time and sort of was like, you know, so what, you know, how do you, how do I audition for audiobooks or whatever? And he ended up at the time a producer he was working with, um, put out a call. They were looking, they had a bunch of books that needed like teenage girl type voices to narrate them. So this narrator friend Ramon de Ocampos name, he um he suggested me to um this sort of legend of uh, in the audiobook world named Bob Dion. And I came in and auditioned and um I didn't get those books, but they gave me another audition and then I booked two books like right at the same time. And I was going on a trip and I had to Come back early and like very quickly learn how to narrate an audiobook and do both of these two books that had like this deadline. And, um, so I sort of got thrown into the audiobook world quickly, although, but luckily I had been listening to audiobooks, you know, for so many years at this point that I think I at least had a sense of how to do an audiobook. And, um, and so after I did those two audiobooks, then I really started listening to before I was listening to audiobooks, you know, just because the title sounded good to me. But then I started listening to, like, the best female narrators narrating, you know, young adult and kids' books. I started, like, listening really critically to those people to be like, oh, like, look what she did here. Look what she did there. Like, that really works. Or, um, I don't think that, that sort of technique would work for me. But, you know, but here's what I'm learning from them. And so I sort of threw myself into it. And then I just started booking books. (laughs) And, um, and now I, I don't know, I have a lot of fun with it. I, my, I have a big series right now with Scholastic, the publisher Scholastic. And, um, we're on, we just did the 14th book in the series. The, The The series is called Whatever After. And it's, it's sort of a middle grade, like made for like eight to 10 year olds or so. And it's a chapter book, but each story has the sister and brother fall into a, a, a fairy tale sort of a fractured fairy tale sort of thing and they kind of mess up the story and then they have to set it right and sometimes they you know fix the questionable parts of the story to make it more empowering or better or just fix it to get it back to what it's supposed to be and so each of those books you know it's gone into snow white uh little Mermaid, Cinderella, the Princess and the Pea, you know, we've done Little Red Riding Hood, like Jack and the Beanstalk was the one that we just did. But what's cool about it is because they're these crazy fairy tales, I've, it's really put me through my paces for coming up with character voices. Um, even beyond what I usually do in cartoons or, or audition for in cartoons, because in audiobooks, you know, I might, Play the giant, you know, and be all fee, fi, fo, fum, where I'm probably not going to audition for that in, you know, a cartoon. They're going to get some, some big guy who can do that voice, you know? Um, so with audiobooks, it kind of where cartoons are super freeing and you can be these characters you would never play if you were doing it on camera. Audiobooks are almost even a little more freeing because you're, you're, you're playing the boy character you know, beyond playing like a teenage boy or a little boy, like female voice actors do you're playing these, you know, the King and the giant and these characters just might never play otherwise. And so, um, this series in particular has been really fun and it's, it's really popular. So I, I connect with fans, um, like 10 year old fans, uh, about this, whatever after series by, Oh, I should mention Sarah Malinovsky is the, is the author and, um it's been really fun. And so I'm always I'm always excited when there's an, a new book or a new series to to start or when a series I've been doing, you know, they release another book in the series and then I get to sort of revisit those characters. Um so yeah, so that's um those are audiobooks. You can find them on Audible. I think most of my audiobooks are on Audible. And yeah, it's fun.
0: Cuz most voice actors hate doing audiobooks because it's you know very time consuming it is time
1: consuming it it is time consuming I think I'm lucky because of the types of books that I do they're pretty short books because they're like basically it's not that I mean I would do whatever you know if I liked the book I would do whatever book but the books that I get offered are the kids and young adult books and mostly it's kids these days so the stories I'm doing are super fun you know they're all these same sort of cartoony things that we like doing and um so yeah like I can see how some voice actors might not like you know the 20 hour long history of America (laughs) as an audiobook uh, because that would be very time consuming but you know, a three-hour book where they, you know, go into the Alice in Wonderland. Are you telling me you wouldn't want to do that?
0: I mean, well, especially considering like you can play more around with uh, with those types of books than you could with an audiobiography or something like that. Totally,
1: <laughs> totally. And so that's where I think I'm. I, I I like the little niche I'm in for audiobooks. I think it's I think it's super fun.
0: I mean, yeah, I mean, cause you're, you get to play all these wonderful characters and you get to play make believe and you're, mm-hmm. you know, and the audience you're, you're, you know, reading for are going to enjoy it either way because, you know, they're, you know, they're kind of, I mean, they're kids. So, you know, yeah. and, and they're kids. kids
1: then, and yeah. also, you know, like with this particular series where the next book we do will be the 15th book, I think, and it's going to be, they go into The Wizard of Oz, which is my favorite. Book, story, movie, anything of all time. So I can't, I think I'll freak out a little, like having to come up with voices for all those characters that I love so much. But, um, but anyway, like the kids who are listening to these books the, at this point, if they're, if they're with me on the 15th book, like they're all in. So they're almost as rabid as, you know, the Voltron fans. And so I have met kids who, uh, When I've done these, you know, when I do the live planetarium shows at the observatory, we have so many families that I've actually been approached on a number of times, usually by a mother, you know, dragging like a 10 year old kid saying, are you by any chance on, you know, do you do audio books? And I say, "Uh, yes. And, And then they say, I don't suppose you did whatever after and then I say yes and then and then the little girl sort of goes "Ah," you know and then we talk and take pictures and it's really fun it's really fun connecting with that that young audience and and the young audience who talking to them like they I guess they listen to these books they must listen to them on you know Alexa or something you know one of those echoes or something because they're listening to them before bed and I guess they listen to them over and over and over again, is what their parents have told me. So it's kind of, it's kind of a crazy responsibility, you know? So once I started meeting these kids and, you know, every time I would then go into the studio to record another book, I mean, I was always taking it seriously, but I'd be like, I have to do it for for that girl I just met. You know, I really have to give, give it my all because I know she's going to be listening. Um, so yeah, it's, it's neat. It's neat to meet all of them and, and know how, how these books can affect them.
0: Suddenly you're, you're reading for a whole bunch of kids and you didn't even know it.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. And, um, my kids, um, are now at the point where they can listen. They can listen, uh, to audiobooks. And so it's also a strange experience for me because this whatever after series, the main, narrator is 10 years old and I've actually been doing the series for a couple of years. She hasn't really aged. (laughs) I don't think she's even 11 yet. I think she's still 10, you know, the whole series. But, um, but you know, here I am with my two kids, like driving around in my minivan, literally my minivan, like listening to my voice where I'm playing a 10 year old, (laughs) um, It's a weird sort of surreal experience, but what has been exciting and why I'm so glad, you know, I've built up this body of kids' audiobooks is now my kids are listening to them and responding to the characters in these books as if they were cartoon characters. I mean, just the other day I said something about, my my kid said something about ketchup, and one of the characters in this book loves ketchup. So my kid said, oh, well, you know, that's like, it's like Jonah, you know, and it was, it was as if they were talking about, you know, My Little Pony, one of the characters from My Little Pony or one of those other shows they watch, but it was Jonah from the audiobook. like, like, and so she was, she was telling me about, you know, how it was just like, just like that character. And so that was really fun and gratifying. And it's, it's another sort of way to share my work with kids and really know the kids and We went and met the author, Sarah Malinovsky, and my kids said to me, do you think I can call her Sarah because we're friends now? (laughs) And so also having my kids feel a connection to authors, that's, that's cool. That's, that seems, you know, that's something, I don't know, I don't, I'm not sure most kids have. And so it's a neat thing to also be able to bring into their lives, I think.
0: I mean, especially in this day and age when, unfortunately, reading is becoming more rare and rarer these days, unfortunately.
1: It is hard to find the times to read. But, you know, they're saying that the science between audiobooks and reading, like supposedly, you know, the same part of your brain lights up when you're um listening to an audiobook versus reading. And so, you know, so it is it's neat to be able to take the time if we're driving somewhere in the car anyway, you know. Let's put on an audiobook. It doesn't mean we won't read books at night, but it's, you know, it's another chance to sort of introduce interesting vocabulary into their little brains.
0: And especially That's... it helps them like understand, uh, story structure a little bit better than having mm-hmm. someone like read them the book, sort of, kind of.
1: <laughs> no, I think so. And then they, and they want to listen to it on repeat, you know, so they listen to them multiple times so then also i think it helps them really understand what they're listening to and start you know it, it you know it just it goes into their brains in some way <laughs> that i can't really understand but i know it's it seems beneficial to them
0: especially considering you know it's it's just audio and not and nothing visual so you don't need once again you can make good children's entertainment without the need to you know Add a bunch of flashing Im- images and colorful colors on screen to, you know.
1: Totally, sure yeah. It it really Yeah, it distills it down. It distills it down to just what is essential and not all that distracting stuff. Exactly.
0: So, you know, the adults can, you know, not not uh feel like they're they feel like they're obligated to take their kids to see a movie and they're like, ah oh, <laughs> this is so so infuriating as an adult because you're like i know the kids are having fun but
1: uh. although i have to say i just went and saw dora the explorer which i thought would be i thought i might feel a little bit like that about it and instead because we just don't go to the we don't go to the movies all that much it's just you know it's hard to get the whole family out and everything but uh But just sitting there watching the trailers even and I'm sitting there like cracking up at trailer after trailer that's aimed at families and kids. And it sort of it sort of made me it was a funny thing because I actually had sort of the opposite of experience of what you're saying, where I sort of said, oh, my gosh, like I've. I've, I've wanted the excuse to go back and see all these kids movies. Like, you know, I've, I've, I've felt too adult for them for so many years. And now I finally get to go see them again uh, and enjoy them and just be like, yeah, this is corny, but it's awesome. Um, So I actually, I, that's, that's, I, I'm sort of looking forward to more kids movies. And, you know, obviously I like watching the cartoons and stuff and it's good research for me and all that. But I also like, just watching them for the pure pleasure of it
0: <laughs> i mean i mean, cartoon, cartoons can be fun because you know but 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 i think to me is like you kind of need to understand like when you're watching like an animated show what what the target audience is and what the type of show it is mm-hmm. because it's not gonna be for adults is what i'm saying so right getting really worked up about certain things like character structure in a show that's <laughs> aimed at like seven to eight year olds, is it's probably not in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably not gonna find that so much there.
0: Yeah, True. What, what I'm saying is like there are a lot of weird adults online who go into discussions about children's cartoons, and it's just ugh. <laughs>
1: like looking for stuff that probably yeah. isn't there. Yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> uh. So, uh, anything else you want to talk about before we wrap up? Cause we're getting to that point.
1: Um, let me, let me think. Um, I don't think, you know, I, I feel like we've, I feel like we've covered a, a lot. Um, I've, it's been really fun to talk to you and talk about, it's been a while since I had someone to talk, you know, to talk about Voltron with. <laughs> <laughs> Look, it, 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 it's, so thank you for the trip down memory lane
0: now here's the thing with me i get voice actors on this show because they they they'll do something i really like and i'm like i really want to talk to that person <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't care how if, even if it's like a small role you're like you you are part of something great man and i, I just want you to know Ooh. that. <laughs>
1: Well, that's awesome. So, so you liked Voltron? You liked? Hey, you liked?
0: You know, I mean, it's 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 a weird show. Like, I'm not gonna lie, and and towards the end, it kind of it kind of went off the rails a little bit. If you know what I'm saying.
1: Well, I'm I'm not gonna talk too much. Yeah, it got it got <laughs> controversial. Like, people had some issues. I, you know, I enjoyed the whole ride. So that's what I can say about that. But I do know what you're talking about. <laughs>
0: Like certain characters that, you know, kinda were out there and certain story elements that I was not a fan of. But, you know, overall I think, you know, it's a show that's okay. That's a lot of fun. I enjoyed mm-hmm. you know, I enjoyed the memories of it. And there are a lot more good memories than bad memories for me with that show, to be honest. Like
1: Well that's good. I mean
0: you can you can go back and like talk about like the the moment like it it fell off but to me there were a lot of really good moments in that show and i think it really helped uh it helped pave the way for more adult oriented shows that are adult or action hmm. oriented shows if that makes mm-hmm.
1: sense it does seem like there's a lot more out there all of a sudden that that's all sort of like if you liked voltron you would probably like this sorts of shows and that seems cool. Well,
0: I mean, which is great because I think as adults, we kind of need more serious action shows instead of just everything's a comedy because that's what adults like.
1: <laughs> right. No, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Every- no, I was, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm glad you had at least some, some, some good memories of Vulture and I was really proud to be a part of the whole thing. And I, you know, I, I, I it, it's too bad people weren't so happy with it at the end, but you know, I do. I do feel like everyone was working really hard on on that show and that the people who put the show together all seemed to really really love it just like I did. And so I was I'm 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 glad I got to be a part of it.
0: I mean it's it's better than the Voltron I grew up with, I'll tell you that. <laughs> I don't know if anybody remembers Voltron the third dimension, but oof. <laughs> oof. <laughs>
1: I think my husband does. <laughs> He could talk to you about that.
0: <laughs> but, uh, any, any, um, uh, can you give us any, um, hints of any stuff you're going to be working on that you can't talk about before we go? You know,
1: I still, I have a couple of, of video games that are still NDA. I don't know where they are in their development. I recorded them, but I don't, you know, I, I don't know. I can't talk about those. Um, and I always have seem to have audiobooks coming out so you can check out audible f- for those. Um, I have, I have some commercials playing. You might hear me in like a Hyundai commercial or some figure lending and CarMax. And so those are, you know, I've never actually even heard one of my commercials, but they're playing. And, uh, and then I'm, you know, auditioning and, uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm at Griffith Observatory sometimes. And so, you know, people, um, people might catch me there. You can check out my Twitter, which is at Emily Iden. So I'll spell that. It's just E-M-I-L-Y-E-I-D-E-N. That's where I usually sort of talk about what I'm, what I'm up to. Or I have a website, which is just my name, www.emilyiden.com, And I also, you know, post my news there. And um, those are the best best places to connect with me. But I do, I'm pretty responsive on Twitter. So, you know, if anyone wants to hit me up, I'll probably hit you up back. Um, you know, so so find me there. That'd be great.
0: So thanks so much for taking the time off to do this.
1: It's uh, been a great pleasure. Thank you for so much for asking. And,
0: uh, yeah, thanks again. Sure. Bye.
1: All right. Thanks. Bye. Have a good day.